0: Welcome to Historical Jesus. I'm Mark Vinette. How reliable is the Bible? Let's tackle this fundamental question alongside the good folks of the Pints with Aquinas program.
1: Let's talk about the Gospels, the Bible. Why should I put my faith in a book that was written 2,000 years ago? Isn't it more reasonable to assume that there's probably enough errors in there to make it unreliable and that I should rely less on that and more on what modern people have to say?
2: Well, you could flip the script on that and say something that's lasted 2000 years is probably something worth trusting, whereas modern theories that haven't even been trusted yet haven't even been tracked for even a generation that should arouse suspicion. All these proposals for new forms of family life or new forms of sexuality or all this stuff, all that's untried. There's all kinds of philosophies from pundits and so on that you can find on YouTube or other social media that are untried and probably don't work, but something that's been working for people for 2,000 years, that's scripture, that's the gospels. And it stood up to countless attacks Uh, attacks from other religions, attacks from atheism, attacks from hostile philosophical movements, and still commands the respect of millions upon millions of people all over the world, giving them meaning, inspiration, inspiring them to good works. Jesus gives us an empirical rule of thumb for testing the truth of things. By your fruit, you will know them. So you got to look at the fruit of this teaching, the gospel teaching. What has it inspired people to do? What has it resulted in? Well, it's resulted in hospitals, schools, universities, the advance of human rights and human dignity, the protection of the poor and the weak, etc. So, I think that those are motives of credibility, so to speak.
1: I'd like to talk about the Bible as a whole, but maybe just so we can narrow in on something, maybe we could talk about the New Testament. Absolutely. What's the criteria biblical scholars historians look for to say this is a
2: reliable document what do we mean by a reliable document well one of the things that we mean by a reliable document is one whose texts we are certain or fairly certain really comes from the author and for that you need manuscript evidence and i think that's one of the issues where the new testament just shines compared to other ancient documents For example, Julius Caesar, between about 58 and 50 BC, he wrote a work called The Gallic War, basically his wars in France. It's a memoir. He wrote that in, like I said, 58 to 50 BC. What do we have in terms of manuscript copies of it? Well, we have 10 manuscripts of it. That's it. 10 manuscripts. And the oldest only goes back to about 750 AD, a distance of about 800 years from when he actually wrote it. 10 manuscripts? Ten manuscripts. When you say we have ten manuscripts, what does that mean? We don't have the original manuscripts. We don't have the original manuscripts. We have ten copies of the Gallic War written by medieval scribes, and the oldest of those was written around the time of what we call the Carolingian Renaissance, about the time of Charlemagne in 750 A.D. We have a gap between the composition and our oldest copies of this document of about 800 years. Now, nobody's really concerned or strongly doubts that we pretty much have a good copy of the Gallic War and it was by Julius Caesar and the text is pretty stable. Because in historical research, 10 manuscripts is actually pretty good because we have a worse situation in other ancient documents, like Tacitus, who's writing about 100 AD, about the time of the death of John. Tacitus is a Latin author, one of the greatest historians of the ancient period. Wrote a massive 14-volume history of the world. We only have about four and a half volumes of that remaining, and only two manuscripts. And our oldest manuscript only goes back to about 850 AD. So again, about an 800-year gap between when Tacitus wrote and our oldest manuscript, handwritten copy of his document. Does anyone doubt seriously that Tacitus really wrote this, that it reflects his thought, etc.? No, they're willing to accept it on the basis of two manuscripts. But when we move to the New Testament, we're talking about 5,800 manuscripts, and that's just the Greek copies of the New Testament that we have. And when we talk about how old those go back, our oldest complete copy of the entire New Testament, which is 27 different documents when you think of it Matthew through Revelation, our oldest complete copy of the New Testament, comes from around 350 AD, a gap of only about less than 300 years from the time of its composition. And then if we go into individual books, our oldest complete copy of the Gospel of John goes back to around the year 200. Same with the Epistles of Paul around the year 200. So we're talking only about a gap of 100 to 150 years between when it was written and when our oldest manuscripts. That's unprecedented in ancient research and in terms of ancient documents. And in particular with the Gospel of John... Our oldest fragment of the Gospel of John goes back to 125 A.D., about 30 years after it was written, because most scholars think John was written about 90 A.D. So, from 125 A.D., we have a scrap called P52, Papyrus 52, which is a scrap of a pocket edition of the Gospel of John from Egypt, in about 30 years after it was composed. So, this is amazing. This means most people think, uh, most scholars believe the Gospel of John was written in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and 30 years after its composition, we're already finding pocket editions of it being written in Egypt, which is quite some distance away. So, that document spread like wildfire. And that little scrap that we have, P52, it's from Jesus' dialogue with Pilate in uh, John 18. And it's a little triangular-shaped scrap, and it's got part of uh, John 18 on one side and then a continuation on the Mm. back side. And we can line it up with the Gospel of John, and we can figure out the size of the page and how much text elapsed from the front of it to the back of it. And that's how we can figure out it was from a pocket edition. It's amazing. And it's striking to me because Billy Graham, a Protestant for the first 30 years of my life, and I went to Billy Graham Crusades, and he used Mm -hmm. to pass out pocket editions of the Gospel of John. And I thought to myself, it's amazing. It's one of the oldest forms of scripture is a pocket edition of the Gospel of John being used for evangelism. This goes way back to the very beginnings of Christianity. So my point is that we have this amazing manuscript resource of thousands of manuscripts, and they go way back within shooting distance of when the documents were composed. And we don't have this kind of manuscript attestation for almost any other ancient documents, not for the works of Plato, not for the works of Socrates. We have hundreds and thousands of more manuscripts than with other ancient documents. Why is there so much pressure placed on the New Testament? Why is there such a high bar that people want to place on the Bible and the documents of the New Testament in terms of their credibility when other ancient documents just get a pass? Can Couple- I suggest what it is? It's talking about People coming back from the dead, people walking on water,
1: people multiplying five loaves and two fishes, one person specifically. Right. It just seems incredible. And so if it didn't have these supernatural elements, people would be willing to accept it. Right. But it does, and it seems so unlikely given our everyday experience, that's why it's being questioned.
2: Yeah, and I can understand that. But the unique situation that we have with the Gospels is that we have very strong circumstantial evidence to believe that these documents were written by people that knew Jesus and that lived in that first century Jewish world prior to the destruction of the temple in the year 70. Whereas when we have these legends about miracles and other supernatural stuff from other civilizations and other cultures, typically it's coming from documents written many generations later by people who are not in touch with the reality boots on the ground of the era that they're trying to describe. Take the Gospel of John, for example. Since our earliest scrap of it comes from 125 AD, it's got to have been written earlier than that. And most scholars believe the, the evidence points to around the decade of the 90s. That's still within the lifetime of somebody who would have known Jesus. Church tradition ascribes it to The Apostle John, who was very elderly when he wrote that gospel, but in his youth, obviously, knew Jesus himself. And then when you look at the Gospel of John, it reflects information that only somebody who lived at the time of Jesus could have known. Is that what you mean by circumstantial evidence? Yes, absolutely. Get get into that for me. Yeah, absolutely. So John 10.23 says that Jesus was walking in the portico of Solomon in the winter just a throwaway line it doesn't call attention to itself or anything but when you do the historical research on this you find out that when you reconstruct how the temple was shaped and built that the portico of solomon was on the east side of the rectangle that defined the courts of the temple and on that east side the portico of solomon had a wall that blocked the east wind. And in the winter in Israel, you get a cold east wind that comes off of the desert. So where do you want to walk in the temple courts in the winter? You want to walk in the portico of Solomon where the wind is blocked and it's warmer than the rest of the environment. So tiny little tidbit, but to me, these subtle pieces of evidence that don't call attention to themselves speak that much more powerfully. Yeah. Because if you're dealing with a pseudepigrapher or, uh, or a mean? con man, they're going to try to what call attention. Pseudo- what? A pseudepigrapher is a, a false writer okay. in Greek. If yeah. you're dealing with a charlatan or yes. somebody who's trying to fake it, they're going to try to make claims that call attention to themselves. But what you find throughout the Gospels is little details that, upon further research, suddenly make sense only within that Jewish culture of the first century.
0: I'm Mark Vinette. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calatrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking calatrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. T-O-R-Y using the code 30605.